Well, it's good to be here. Uh, just blessed to be serving the Lord these days, difficult days that we're in. Amen. And so um, I have actually traveled all over the world, literally, in the last year and a half or so. Uh, I've been to, I'm not sure how many countries, I should sit down and count them in the last couple of years, but it's, you know, Geneva, Switzerland, Costa Rica, Austria, um, Belize, Mexico, United States of America. And then states, I've been to Oregon, Colorado, California, and just all around. I just spent three months in Colorado uh, for a, uh, we had a unique situation with a year ago, uh, a pastor in Windsor, Colorado, Calvary Chapel, Windsor, he and his wife were on their way on vacation and the Lord took them home in a car accident. So very sudden trauma to this church. And so one of our Poyman pastors, we have a team of 13 pastors, and one of our other pastors who lives there in Colorado, he took the first eight months of filling their uh, transitional role. And then they called me and asked me to come in, and I spent the last three months, a little over three months there. And, uh, and we have a new pastor for them. And the wonderful thing about this church, it's been amazing, is the church was about 120 people when the pastor died. And it's now close to 300 people in a year. And it's a, there's a, a number of reasons for that. I mean, the practical kind of reasons is it's a booming area, very growing. Um, it's, it's got uh, uh, a very loving church. I mean, these people, like your fellowship time, I had to interrupt their fellowship time. <laughs> like, you couldn't stop them. Very loving group of people. And then uh, the other thing is I just think the Holy Spirit, the grace of God, just was working. And as we just consistently stayed in the word and stayed with the truth, uh, they just, it's been an amazing ride. And so the last three months I had the privilege of serving that church. And, but I am really glad to be back in New Jersey. <laughs> I live in Tom's River and I have been living in an RV for the last three months. And my wife and I have been in close quarters, so to speak. And uh, that, that's good, mostly. <laughs> Not on her. I mean, she's wonderful. It's all me. I'm just telling you right up front. She wasn't able to be here today. Well, she could have been here, but the choice of coming with me or going to our home church in Howell and seeing four out of the seven of our grandkids, let's just say you guys lost. <laughs> so... This morning, I'd like to take us to the book of Ephesians. We're going to jump around a lot today. So if you're unfamiliar, you might want to jot down the scriptures. I want to kind of take you on a road. Uh, I'll call it the Holy Spirit road today. And so in Ephesians chapter 5 is where we'll start. And I like to have you stand for the reading of God's word for me. So when you get to Ephesians 5, we'll be in verse 15. And you can follow along with me, and, uh, and we'll read the word together. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 15. See then 
that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. And Father, we come this morning. I thank you for this congregation, for this church, for their pastor, Greg, and for all that you're doing here in Calvary Chapel, Mercer County. Lord, our prayer today is that we would hear from you, that we would come into a deeper understanding of your, the fullness of your spirit today. Speak to us, encourage us, strengthen us. In Jesus' name we pray. And the congregation said, Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. So I want to talk with you today about the power of the Holy Spirit, the gifts, or the, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we're focusing on a key word here in verse 18, be filled with the Spirit. And there's a number of aspects of the filling of God's Spirit that we know is true. And that is in, in, when we come to Christ, when we begin, we come into a born-again experience in Christ. And I'd like you to turn over to John 14 today. Uh, also, as we look at this, and just uh, we're going to again jump around quite a bit, but uh, in our in our study, as you as you see in the early church, Jesus called the disciples to go and wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. But some other things happened prior to that. We know that the Holy Spirit is God; He is the third person of the Triune God. He's not just some power that we call upon, like you plug in an electrical cord or something like that. But he is a person with a personality with plans and desires for each and every one of our lives and for this world. And so, um, in fact, in John 16, you don't need to turn there, but just referencing it, you can read it. You'll see that there are 15 times or more the Holy Spirit is referred to as he or him in that text by our Lord Jesus Christ. And he has all the aspects of who God is. He's omnipresent, he's omniscient, he's omnipotent, he's eternal, he is called God. He's got, there are at least 13 different names for the Holy Spirit. We have the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of, uh, the eternal Spirit, the Spirit of truth, Spirit of grace, the Spirit of glory, the Spirit of life, the Spirit of wisdom and revelation, the Comforter, the Spirit of promise, the Spirit of adoption, the Spirit of holiness, the Spirit of faith, there are so many aspects of who this third person of the triune God is. The Spirit is, wants to work in our life. He was sent by the Father at the request of the Son. So you see the Trinity working together. Jesus called for the Holy Spirit to come to the church. And that's what John 14 is about. As you look at verse 15, he says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father. Jesus is praying, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth 
whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. And I want you to notice there's a couple of prepositions that are used that are very interesting here. He says, first of all, the Holy Spirit will be with you. He is with you. And the idea there is the word para. It's the coming alongside of the Holy Spirit. And each and every one of us have had this happen in our life if you're born again. The Holy Spirit came alongside your life and my life. And aren't you glad he did? In John 16, turn over there with me. Jesus said this in verse 5. He said, if I, I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But I have said these things to you. Sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But I will, if I depart, I will send him to you. Now, I'm sure the disciples didn't like to hear this right then and there, right? You know, Jesus has been with them for three years. And he's saying, now he's saying, I'm leaving. And this is part of that discourse in John 14 through 17, which is Jesus' final, really, words to the disciples before the resurrection. And he says, I'm going away. And he said, I'm going to send you another helper. And if I don't go away, you're not getting him. And they're probably thinking, we'd rather have you. <laughs> you know, well, couldn't you just stay, Lord? We've enjoyed this three years. We'd love to have you just stay with us. But Jesus says, no, I, I must go away. And then he says, when he has come, and this is the work of the Holy Spirit coming alongside. Verse 8, he says, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And so the Holy Spirit comes alongside, and he, he convicts you. And when, before you even knew the Lord, before when you were a kid walking around in whatever town you grew up in, I was up in North Jersey, just some snot-nosed kid, you know, <laughs> raised in the Roman Catholic Church, hearing some little facsimile of the gospel, but not really understanding, but the Holy Spirit all alongside, alongside, alongside. And maybe you, uh, maybe you're like me, you can remember those promptings, those little, those little times when the Holy Spirit spoke to you, and you can, it was kind of drawing you, and you were kind of, I don't know what that is, but I don't want it right now, you know. But he was there, and he was, he was alongside, and that's that first work of the Holy Spirit. It's a work of conviction. He convicts us of our sin. He convicts us of righteousness. That is our need to be right with God. And he convicts the world of judgment, the fact that there is judgment coming on this world, and there's judgment coming on those who don't receive him. That is that work of the Holy Spirit. He comes. He convicts. And I'm really thankful personally for the con continual conviction of the Holy Spirit. Are you not? I mean, I, I don't know about you. I, for there's times when, you know, I, my mind starts to stray. I don't this probably doesn't happen to you, but it still happens to me, where I get straying into some area where my mind goes, I can so easily, the flesh can just move right in. You ever notice that? You know, I'll be, like I'm on the internet, I'm just studying, I'm reading something, all of a sudden some little thing just pops up. Don't you hate those pop-ups, by the way? <laughs> they just pop up in front of you and they're like, come check me out, you know. And you go check that one thing out that seems innocent, and the next thing you know, there's some messy thing drawing you in. And it can happen on our phones. And we got too many devices, right? Phones, iPads, it, you know, computers, TVs. And we can easily get caught into a place. And the Holy Spirit goes, ah, 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 ah. 
don't go there. And I've kind of learned that it's kind of don't go the first place. Even though the first place might seem innocent, don't go there. Because if you've got things to do, you're going to end up in a rabbit hole that might not even be a bad, evil thing necessarily. But it's a time waster. And it will distract you. And that's that Holy Spirit conviction. You say, don't, just, just don't start that. Don't go there. But the Holy Spirit, he is a guide. He wants to convict us. He'll convict us of sin, of righteousness, of judgment. And Jesus said that he is the guide to all truth. And we need to be guided by the Spirit. This is the power of God's Spirit in our life. And the Spirit will lead us into all truth. And if we're not for his presence, think about this. If it were not for the presence of the Holy Spirit alongside us and then within us, where would we be? Jesus said, I am not leaving you orphans. Thank the Lord for that. And, and then we have this second word, he will be in you. The Holy Spirit comes alongside the disciples and then in our lives. But then there's a second preposition here. It's the word E-N or in. It means inside, to come inside you. Turn over to John chapter 20 with me for a minute. And I want you to notice that this is before the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. This is just after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I was testing you. You were supposed to correct me there. This is just after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but before his ascension and before Pentecost, right? So Jesus comes to verse 19. It says, the same evening being first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, peace be with you. And he said this, he showed them his hands and his side when he said this. And the disciples were glad because they saw the Lord and Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Look at verse 22. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit and breathes on you, you receive the Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> I mean, no doubt. So at this point, I'm personally, I'm clear, I, I'm very clear that this is the moment the disciples were born again. The Holy Spirit came within their lives. And I pray today that each and every one of you have been born again. I don't know you, but Jesus said, if you not be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And he told that to an old man, an older guy, Nicodemus, who came to him and asked him, Lord, we know, you're up, we know something great about you, but we don't really understand. And he said, you must be born again. And it doesn't matter if you've gone to church all your life. It doesn't matter if you were raised in the church. It doesn't matter what background you come from. You must be born again. And to be born again means that the Holy Spirit of God comes within your life. And he changes you. He, he calls you. He comes alongside you. He convicts you. And then he comes into your life and he takes your life, and he changes your life from the inside out, right? And it means that you believe that Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, and that he is alive today in the heavenlies, praying for you, seated at the right hand of the throne of God, 
and you put your trust in salvation in him, not in anything you can do, because none of us can save ourselves. It's by grace that you've been saved through faith, that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, lest anyone should boast. Have you received that gift today? If you have not received that gift, at the end of the message, I'm going to give you a chance to do that, to open your heart and say, yes, I want the Holy Spirit to come within me. I want to be born again. I want to know I'm going to heaven because when you're born again, you have an assurance that you are going to heaven. I was raised in a church where, you know, you, you kind of hoped you would go to heaven. You kind of thought, well, you know, I said I was raised Roman Catholic. How many of you are Roman Catholics? Were. Yeah. So you guys get it, right? Purgatory and all that. I figure I had at least 10,000 years ahead of me in purgatory. Because <laughs> you know, my sins, they were many. <laughs> but the, his grace is more. Amen? And, I, you know, that, that, that whole thing of just thinking that you could never do enough, could never be enough. You can't, you know, you, you know, you're really always sort of put down. And there was no assurance of salvation, even at funerals. So you go and, and there was no assurance. Like, we pray that our brother or sister is, finds eternal life. Well, if they haven't found Jesus before they die, they're not finding eternal life, are they? But thank God, thank God we're born again, right? Thank God the Holy Spirit of God came inside us and he took us and he changed us and he showed us and he gave us assurance, he gave us eternal life. John wrote in 1 John that we can know that we have eternal life and that we have him in the, in the Son, Jesus Christ, amen? So Jesus tells them to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, what's interesting is in Luke chapter 24, you remember the road to Emmaus, the two fellows, he's walking along, he's giving that incredible Bible study on the road to Emmaus. And at the end of that Bible study, Jesus says, go and wait for the promise of the Father, which you've heard from me. And so he tells them, go wait in Jerusalem. And then in Acts chapter 1, you guys are familiar with it, and in Acts chapter 1, there in verse six or five he says well even four he goes go back he says being assembled together they, he commanded them not to depart from jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the father which he said you have heard from me now this is after the resurrection before he ascends before pentecost and here's what he says for john truly baptized with water but you shall be baptized with the holy spirit not many days from now so wait a minute they already have the holy spirit right the Holy Spirit has come within them. But Jesus says, go and wait for the promise of the Father, which you've heard from me, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So what is this? But it's another experience in the Holy Spirit. He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. You shall receive power, verse 8 of Acts 1, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Notice he tells them to go and wait. I, the song we were singing today, Waiting for the King, Waiting for Jesus to Come, I'm thinking, I was thinking as we were thinking, yeah, we, they, they were told to wait for the Holy Spirit. We've got to wait for Jesus to come back, right? That waiting, I, I, I don't know about you, I don't like waiting. Anybody have a problem with waiting? You know, I mean, lines and stuff. I just came through a flight, you know, in the airport. And Denver Airport, by the way, people say Newark Airport's terrible. Denver Airport is one of the worst airports on planet Earth. 
they send you in all kinds of circles. They go this way, go they, I mean, go under the bridge and around the corner and over the river and through the woods. And you know, it's, it's just unbelievable. And then you wait in a line just going. And I have TSA pre because I travel so much, which means, you know, you get to go to the front of the line kind of thing. You don't have to. It didn't make any difference. It took us 20, 30 minutes just to get through security. I don't like waiting. But we are waiting, are we not? And they were told to wait for the Holy Spirit. Even after they had the Holy Spirit within them, Jesus says, wait for the promise of the Father, because he says, I'm going to give you power, dunamis, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be witnesses. Now, by the way, you know, there's all different factions within the church, right? Any of you come from a Pentecostal background? Raise your hand. Okay, a few of you. And you, you, you've been in those churches where, you know, the Holy Spirit meeting is all about running up and down the aisles and jumping and screaming and waving flags and the third person in the third row speaks in tongues every Sunday morning, right? This is kind of that, that experience. By the way, I was in a church in, in Calvary Chapel, Windsor, and I said, you know, I'm swinging from the chandeliers. And usually I look up like here and there's no chandeliers. But in that church, there's chandeliers. So I was even like, we could even do it here. There's a lot of older people. I told them not to try it. Would have been interesting to watch, though. You know, you get one of those videos, next thing you're going to go viral. But so you have that faction of the church. And then you have the side of the church that's very conservative, so much so that they don't even believe that the power of the Spirit works the same today as the book of Acts. And so you have these factions of places where people are within the scope of the church. And they're good brothers and sisters on both sides of those things. Wonderful people. They love God. They love Jesus. Their, their ways are a bit different. But here at Calvary Chapel, we fall right in the middle of that. We believe in the fullness of the power of the Spirit of God, but we're not so much interested in it from an aspect of just your feelings. And I've had some incredible feelings in my life in the Holy Spirit. A few years ago in Greece, I had one of my most fabulous experiences in the Holy Spirit. I was leading a tour of uh, the footsteps of Paul. And I was the only teacher on the tour. There were about 25 of us on this tour. And I was sick the entire time we were there. I think I probably, that's when I was diagnosed with diverticulitis and I didn't know it. So everybody's enjoying this wonderful Greek food, and I'm eating rice and chicken about this big, you know. And every day I'm sick and just barely getting through and doing my teachings, and I'm really not able to much enjoy, although, you know, I did enjoy it in one sense, but it was, it was a tough time. And so this particular time we were on a, a boat going, and when you're sick and then you're on a boat, it's just, let's just say it was no fun. And all night long, the boat is going up and down and up and down and up and down. And I'm not doing great, <laughs> let's just say. <clears throat> and so that morning, I woke up early and I, I was like, I turned to my wife. I just said, I just don't think I can go today. And she's like, well, I'll pray for you. And I'm like, great, pray. And, and, but I'm not, I, I really, I don't know what everybody's going to do, but I'm going to be spent. This is, but I close my eyes, go back to sleep. And I said, Lord, if you'll just wake me up in an hour and I feel good, I'll go. It's kind of like, I'll be obedient. I'll go. <laughs> you know? And so an hour later, I woke up and I was like, I feel okay. I got up, got ready to go. And that day, 
my guide comes to me and she says, I've got a special treat for you. She said, how would you like to be the pastor who prays in the Patmos cave today? And, and I didn't remember we were going to Patmos that day. And they don't usually let anyone other than the Greek Orthodox do the prayer meetings, the leadings of these things in these caves, in, the, in any of the sites. The Greek Orthodox basically oversee all the sites in Greece. And she said, I know the priest personally, and I'm going to ask him if you can be the one to lead the prayer meeting. I'm like, I'm, I'm down. Let's do it. So we go to the place, and we're the first. She said, you got to be the first ones there. So we get there. The first ones there is about 60 people crammed in this little cave. And they have a guide that gives a little spiel. And she finishes up, and she says, would Father Chris come forward now? <laughs> I'm like, well, there's a first. <laughs> So they call me up, and I start to pray, and I start to, I open the word, I open uh, Revelation chapter 1, and I say, read this passage on where John saw Jesus and fell as a dead man. And I said, now, look, we don't know if it's this exact cave right here, or some cave nearby here, or some other area right nearby here. We don't even know if it's in a cave. But somewhere around here, this event literally happened. Jesus Christ, our Lord, physically appeared. And the Holy Spirit fell upon that cave and upon me. And everybody in that room started weeping. And it was honestly one of the most powerful experiences in the Spirit I've ever had. Even other than perhaps my own salvation and baptism of the Holy Spirit, from a spiritual point of view, it was like incredible. And I would have missed it if I stayed in bed. So there's a lesson in that too. But I share that with you to say, it was great. It was wonderful. But you know, it didn't change my life. And you know what? I still have to be filled with the Spirit every day. Being filled with the Spirit that day was great. And like the day of Pentecost, they spoke in tongues. They had this great experience. There was a wonderful falling of the Holy Spirit, coming upon the Holy Spirit, filling of the Holy Spirit. Chuck Smith used to say, it's not how high you jump when you receive the Spirit. It's how you walk when you land. And so, you know, a, a lot of it has more to do. So now I want you to go back with me to Ephesians. I know I jumped around a lot. But I first wanted you to see and, and remember, just kind of remind you and stir you up by way of reminder that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a, an experience we should seek after. And if you've never experienced that in your life, if you've been born again, but you're kind of, maybe you're weak in your faith and you, do, you don't really understand why you can't walk the way other people walk. You watch other people, you're like, I don't get that spirit-filled life kind of thing. Maybe you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Maybe if you've never been, you need it. Let me tell you, you need it. Every one of us needs it in our life. We have a great need for the Holy Spirit. Turn to Luke chapter 11 with me. In verse 9, in Luke chapter 11, Jesus says this, and you're familiar with this passage. He says, I, I say to you, ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you will find. And by the way, the wording there is ask and keep on asking, continue to ask. Seek and seek, keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. He goes on, he says, the door will be open for everyone who asks receives, and who seeks finds, and who knocks It'll be open. And then, of course, Jesus tells a sort of funny little thing where he says, 
If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will you give him a stone? You know, kind of have that picture in your mind. Here's a kid comes up and says, Daddy, can I have a piece of bread? Well, here you go. Chew on this rock, kid. You know, break your teeth over there, you know. <laughs> or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a scorpion? Of course not. If he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion or a fish? He give him a, a, a scorpion, a serpent, excuse me. He says, then if you, look at verse 13, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You say, well, how do I get baptized in the Holy Spirit? How do I get filled with the Holy Spirit? Ask. Simple. And so we see these things, and, and there in Acts chapter 2, it says when they came together, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit fell on the church. And we see it happen again and again in the book of Acts. So Jesus said to go and ask for the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus said, then, then the book of Acts experience is that they were filled with the Spirit again and again. Chapter 4, Peter says, it says just before he's going to address the rulers, he says, it says he was filled with the Holy Spirit. In the end of chapter 4, it says, And the place where they were was shaken when they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul, when he was saved on the road to Damascus, Ananias prayed and said, Brother, brother uh, Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road came, and he sent me to that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul called upon the filling of the Holy Spirit when he had to face that that uh, demonic fellow that was trying to steal the Holy Spirit, and he had to rebuke him. At the end of, the, end of that chapter, in chapter 13, it says the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. The filling of the Holy Spirit is something that is consistent in the Gospels, in Jesus telling us we need to be filled, in the book of Acts, in Paul's teaching, in Ephesians here, he says, be filled with the Spirit. And the thing is, when we, you, know, you look at how he talks about it, it's a wonderful thing. He says, walk circumspectly, not as fools. This is like a, an acrobat on a high wire. You, know, you, you, can't be, you can't be walking foolishly on a high wire. You've got to be careful. And in this world, we are on a high wire, are we not? You walk, in a sense, with your eyes in the back of your head. You know, knowing everything around you, being conscious of what's going on around you. Kind of walking in the light is the idea. And when we see where we're going and where, where we've come from, you ever get up in the middle of the night and you walk through the room and you forgot you put that suitcase or that thing and bam, you hit your toe and you're like, ah, should have turned on the light. The thing is, in the Christian life, you need the light of the Spirit on in your life all the time. To walk with our eyes open is the idea. And then he says to redeem the time because the days are evil. Are we not living in some of the most evil days, it seems as though? I don't know about you. I've been raised in, you know, in northern Jersey as a kid. I was, a, you know, I was in a very nice little town in Florham Park. And you know, I don't remember evil and darkness in the same way as I see today. And these fires in Hawaii have been an awful thing, have they not? And we, we look at them and we go, man, Lord, do you know that I read that people are, 
are going to those homeowners trying to bid and buy their property already. Like they're in line. Just the evil. I mean, you can't even let people breathe. The wickedness that we see in this world today. I mean, you read the news, you, you can't. And so we need to redeem the time. Because we don't know how much time we have left. Both on a personal basis, none of us knows the day or the hour of our death. But on a, another basis, Jesus is coming. As we sang the song, he's coming soon. Now, what is soon? I don't know. But I know it was sooner than yesterday. <laughs> right? And redeeming the time, it doesn't only mean not to waste time, but it means to use your time wisely. It's kind of the idea of purchasing your time and having the opportune time. Don't miss the opportunities that come your way. And let me just say to you as, a, as brother to brother and sister, listen, if you are not filled with the Spirit, you will not redeem the time. You will not recognize the things around you. You will not be paying attention. You will not have a spiritual sensitivity to these things. And that's both true if you have never been filled with the Spirit or if you've been filled with the Spirit and you haven't been refilled lately. Because we all need refills, don't we? D.L. Moody said it. You probably heard this one before. Maybe your pastor even used it. A woman came to D.L. Moody and she said to him, Mr. Moody, why is it that you always pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit? You already have the Holy Spirit. And Moody said, I leak. <laughs> Anybody leaking these days? I mean, we do. We struggle. And the flesh, as I said earlier, can easily creep in and start to overcome us and overwhelm us. And we need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. And if we don't, we will waste time and we will not redeem the time and we will not be sensitive to those around you. You will not take the opportunity even to be prompted when the Holy Spirit prompts you for, and speaks to your heart and says, I want to I fill you. Remember Jesus talked about the filling of the Spirit in John chapter 7? He said it was like torrents of living water, like a river of living water. Your life is supposed to be like that. You're supposed to overflow with living water. Grab the opportunity to do that. And when you do fill, allow yourself to be filled with the Spirit, you know what you're going to do? You're going to shine the light. You're going to be sharing the gospel. You're going to be sharing your faith. You, it's like you can't help yourself. You know, I, I, I got a wonderful compliment the other day from a lady in a restaurant in Calvary Chapel right by Windsor, right by this place called Doug's Diner, which you would think, you know, we thought New Jersey had the corner on diners. Let me tell you, Doug's doing a job out there in Colorado. And so, I, you know, I've been going there. Well, I, it's right next to the church, so it's been my place. <laughs> and I've had some great conversations and prayer times with some, some of the waiters and waitresses in that place. I, every place I go these days, when I'm waited on, I say to the waiter or waitress, hey, we like to pray for our waiters or waitresses. Could we pray for you about something? And it's a wonderful thing. You want to see open doors. Just say that to him. Some, now, sometimes I'll be like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm like, and sometimes I even say, so wait a minute, you don't want me to pray for you? <laughs> but sometimes it's just precious, and this was one of those times. And she said, you know, you have come in here, 
And I praise God, you know, she said, you've been a light. You're like a light when you walk in these doors. She said, several of us can't wait. Which one of us gets to wait on you? Because we know you're going to pray for us. And I, I'm not taking any credit for that, you guys. That's the Holy Spirit doing something. I've only begun to do, you know, it's, it's a funny thing. Since I stepped out of being a senior pastor, I, I'm more open about my faith when I'm traveling. I think I was so, like, your brain can only handle so much, right? And since I've gotten behind from, out from behind my desk, so to speak, I, I, I'm the guy that gets on the airplane, and, you know, everybody wants to have their little iPods in, their little earpods, their little thing, their little world, their little video, all like this. I go up and I go, hey, hey, my name's Chris. What's your name? They're kind of like, uh. But sometimes that leads to a two-hour, three-hour, or even a four-hour conversation like I had with a Muslim girl who lived in Southern California and had already had Christian influence in her life. And I got to pray for her before she got off the plane. She didn't receive Christ that day, but lots of different things like that. And the open doors, you'll want to share your faith. And, and I confess to you, I'm not always like this. I get on a plane sometimes, and I'm like, Lord, I just want to sit in my little world, read, take a nap. And almost always the Lord has somebody interrupt me then. <laughs> but you see... If you're not filled with the Spirit, you will not see those things. You will not be open to those things. He says there, verse 17, look what it says, therefore we do not. We were back in Ephesians 5, if I didn't tell you that already. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. The idea here is to not be without reflection, to be wise, to be aware of situations that present themselves, to be ready for the will of God to be fulfilled in your life. Do you know that God has a desire and a plan for all of us? And in fact, each and every day, God has something he wants to do in and through our life every day. Do you let that sink in for a second? How much time do we let go by when we don't even realize the Holy Spirit's around? The Holy Spirit's with us every day in every aspect of our life. And there in verse 18, he says, And do not be drunk with wine, which is in dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Wisdom will come into your life when you're filled with the Spirit. It's interesting that Paul contrasts that specifically with drunkenness. Wine of their day wasn't what it is today. It wasn't as strong. Today, we'd, you could say you know, even more, don't be filled with whiskey. <laughs> don't be filled with... Marijuana, now that it's legal in, the, in, in New Jersey. I hear some Christians like, well, now that it's legal, I'm free. I do it for medicinal purposes. And, and listen, if you legitimately do it for medicinal purposes, praise the Lord, I'm not judging you. But is it impacting you? The idea is to not let anything influence you except the Spirit. Are you being influenced by the Holy Spirit? Are you being yielded to the Holy Spirit? Be filled with the Spirit. It's a present perfect tense. It's be ye being filled with the Holy Spirit. Present tense meaning now. And it's not a title, by the way. Some people say, 
Are you a spirit-filled Christian? Well, in one sense, there's nothing but a spirit-filled Christian in the sense that every Christian has the Holy Spirit in them. But here's the question, does the Holy Spirit have you? It's not a title like spirit-filled Christian, but it's a condition. It's a place where you say, I want to be refilled every day. And it's not an option in a sense either. As Paul, you see the way he words it, be filled. It's a command. He's kind of like, just do it. Just have the Spirit in your life. Ask the Spirit to fill you. He wants to. And I don't care whether you're a Pentecostal, Baptocostal, Spirit, you know, uh, conservative, Calvary Chapel Acostal. I don't know what you are, but whatever you are, I care about this. Do you have it? Is he in you? Is he upon you? Have you yielded? Are you allowing him to guide your life? Because think what God could do in and through you personally, or even a congregation who is fully yielded and said, I am filled with the Spirit. I'm going to live my life filled with the Holy Spirit. Because you can't do it yourself. And you just have to ask him and he will give it to you. And, and then there's an outflow of this, the speaking in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. It changes your, your way. You know, the idea here is not necessarily to go around singing to everybody. Can you imagine? I watched a show the other day. I, I watched these Star Trek shows. They're really ridiculous. But I watched this one the other day where they all got this thing that came into them that made them, every time they spoke, they sang. <laughs> and all I could think of is, is that like being filled with the Spirit? <laughs> I don't think it's that. Like, you, you know, because some of you shouldn't sing anyway, so. <laughs> You're making a joyful noise, though. Amen? But notice, it's, it's the way your heart is. It's that singing in your heart. It's that, it's that joy. It's, feeling, it's about speaking about joy and giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Being filled. You know, if you're filled with the Spirit, you're not so much concerned with all these other things that try to fill you because you're already full. I was reading about a man who was converted to Christianity. He was a heavy drinker. He, he had a, lived a victorious life for a number of weeks. And he walked, walking down the street, and he, he saw a bar there, and he, he actually smelled the alcohol, and he was tempted to go in. And he's like, he's struggling with that. And he looked across the street, and he saw a thing that said free, uh, or, or, or buttermilk for, uh, for 15 cents, or 25 cents a, a drink. That's a long time ago. Who drinks buttermilk anymore? Anyway, he went over and he drank three things of buttermilk, filled himself up, and he no longer had a desire for the other because he was filled with something better. Yeah. Moody gave another example of this. He, he took a cup and he held it up in the front and he, he said, how do you get the air out of this cup? And people gave all kinds of ideas, you know, turn it upside down, seal it, suck the air out of it, whatever. And Moody picked up a pitcher of water and he poured the water and he filled the cup. See, once the cup is full, there's no more room for anything else. And when you fill and ask for the filling of the Spirit, he will come in. This is why when Christians say, well, you know, I hear people, well, I think I'm demon-possessed. You can't be demon-possessed if you're a Christian. 
Because the Holy Spirit is in you. Joe Foch says the Holy Spirit isn't into time sharing. <laughs> I want you to notice what verse 21 says. Submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. When the Holy Spirit is in your life, you are a submitted person. You're a person who's yielded to him and yielded to others. You're not selfish. You're, not, you're others-minded, like was even read this morning out of Philippians. Having in the same mind, looking out for the interest of others, thinking in terms of that. By the way, this verse is one that's so important to men and women. Because the verse after this starts to talk about wives submitting unto her husbands. And listen, I know you guys, you men, you, you, you have that circled in your wife's Bible. <laughs> you're over there and you're like, you see what that says over there? Wives submit to their husbands. Back up a verse, fellas. Submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. Do you realize that marriage is mutual submission? I'm submitted to my wife. I submit lots. Of, my whole life is submitted to my wife. I don't do anything without discussing it with my wife. Can you imagine? Walking, driving home in a Lamborghini. Not that I could afford one, but imagine. <laughs> and I pull it up to the, and she says, where did this come from? Oh, I bought it. Let me just say, things would not go well. <laughs> because I'm submitted to her. And yes, there's an element of women's wives submitting to the husbands. It's not, by the way, it's not women submitting to men. Can we get that right? I remember I had a young fellow come into my office with a girl, and they were dating, and the girl was very close to our family, and I knew her really well. <clears throat> and uh, they were having some trouble in their dating relationship. They were talking about getting married. And uh, he said, well, I'm just so frustrated because she doesn't submit to me. And I looked at him. And I said, well, you're not married. And I said, in the way you're acting, why should she submit to you anyway? And she, she, said, she looked at him and she said, yeah, we're not married. <laughs> and I said, I said, excuse me a second, young man. And I put him out of the room and I said, run. <laughs> she married somebody else. He's a pastor on my staff now over in, in not my staff, but my old staff. Anyway. Submission is part of this. And, and look what happens if you read the rest of Ephesians, and we're not going to go into it, but the rest of Ephesians is all about the filling of the Spirit and how it impacts our entire lives. Because he goes into a teaching on husbands, wives, children, slaves submitting to their masters, or in other words, in our vernacular, it would be employees to employers. <coughs> and he, he goes through this, and it really is all about the Spirit-filled life. It's all about yielding to the Spirit. There's a very practical nature of this. That's why when I talked about that experience in the islands of Patmos that I had, well, it's a great experience. But it doesn't carry me. And you may have had some great experiences in the Holy Spirit. And that's wonderful. But it's not about the experience. It's about the walk. It's about the continual walk. Because then not only do you experience the power of the Spirit, but he then begins to give you gifts. And, and many of you probably have, have, have uh, figured out what your gift of the Spirit may be, or maybe you haven't figured that out, but there are 
various gifts of the Spirit, and they're listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, and then some clarification in 1 Corinthians 14 about the balance of the gifts and the way the gifts work together. And there's wonderful studies that you can do in that, and we're not going to get into them this morning, but just to say that there are various gifts. There's lots of gifts of the Spirit. There's the gift of discernment and evangelism and exhortation. I have the gift of exhortation. You might have already noticed that. By the way, exhortation means sort of means spiritual kick in the pants. Get going kind of deal. Gifts of faith, gifts of healing, gifts of helps, hospitality, leadership, mercy, prophecy, teaching, wisdom, all these various gifts that God has given us. And that's just a short snippet of it. There's more. And the Holy Spirit is the one who gives them as he wills, right? But you can't get them if you're not filled. Because when you're filled, you're yielded. And that's where it starts. You have to start with a place of saying, Lord, Holy Spirit, fill me. I'm yielded to you. And again, it's not that you get more of the Holy Spirit. It's that the Holy Spirit gets more of you. It's, it's a, a, a spirit-directed life, a spirit-filled life. And he wants that for all of us. Amen? The question is, do you want it? God wants it for you. But you have to take steps of faith to do it. You have to be willing to ask. As we started out in Luke chapter 11, Jesus said it, ask. The disciples had to go and wait for the promise of the Father. They had to be there and ask and allow the Spirit to come. I fear that some of the church, even in Calvaries these days, they no longer ask. It's all just goes along. But you need to ask, and you'll receive. You need to seek, and you'll find. You need to knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds. And how much more does he not want to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him?